Hey, this is Pastor Matt. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and we pray it speaks to you in a life-changing way. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, grab them and open them up. You may not have your Bible, but you have your phone or your tablet. Grab whatever it is that you read the Bible on. We want you to open it up this morning. We believe here in taking notes. We believe in following along. We believe in bringing your Bible or something that you can read along with and and see what God speaks to us because we definitely believe that this Word is the Word of God and it is life-changing. And if we can open it up and read it and let it get inside of us, it'll begin changing us. Amen? So we want you to grab your Bible this morning and follow along with us today. This, this morning I want to use this scripture. It's found in John chapter 11, verse 25. It's a well-known scripture. In fact, I'm going to read it out of the, the, the King James Version today. It says this, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. This this verse just, I've read it, I don't know how many times over the last week or two, and it just keeps speaking to me. I am the resurrection, I am the life. Though you were dead, yet shall you live. Though you were dead, yet shall you live. Easter, it's all about life. Easter is all about life. Even the season that it's in is all about life. I was just outside a couple days ago, and I told Stephanie, said, oh, finally, the trees are finally beginning to bloom. We're getting some greenery in our, around our yard and around our house. It, 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 it's like it's went from death to life. It's Easter. Easter's all about life. The entire story of Easter is all about life. The entire story of Easter is all about death to life. It's a story of hope. It's a story of joy. It's a story of anticipation. It's a story of renewal and rebirth. It's a story that that brings something that wasn't and now it is. Something that didn't exist and now it exists. It's the season when we celebrate and rejoice over life. And here's the message for us this morning. For some of us, and it's what we titled it today, it's time for you to come alive. It's time to come alive. It's time to come alive. It's what Easter's all about. Luke chapter 24. Now, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn there with me this morning. Luke chapter 24. This is where you'll find the Easter story. It's where you'll find what we would call the resurrection. And I know that some of us this morning, we have probably read this scripture many times. I know some of us this morning, you're here, but you don't really know why you're here. You're here because you were here with friends or family or someone invited you. Some of us this morning, we've never maybe heard this story. We've heard of Easter, but maybe we've never really heard the story of what it's all about. 
Maybe some of us have heard it, but we've not heard it in a while. And I wanted to take just a moment. I normally don't do this when I preach, but this morning's going to be a little different. I, I wanted to read this story to us. It's Matthew chapter 24. If you have your Bible, follow along with me, starting in verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, some ladies, came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and they bowed down to the ground. And the angel, by the way, is what that person was in dazzling clothes, the angel says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And I love that verse. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for something? And, you know, I, I was thinking, I, I can't hardly help but say this every time I read that verse. How often are we looking for all the right things in all the wrong places? They're looking for the living, but they're looking in the wrong place. And the angel says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. Speaking of Jesus, he is risen. He is not here. He is alive. Remember how he spoke to you when he said in Galilee, it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, but be, and he will be crucified, and he will rise on the third day. Day. Everyone say third day. Yeah. That was the promise, by the way. That was the promise. He will rise on the third day. And then they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven, to the disciples. To all the rest, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them. And they did not believe. They did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. And when he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. So he went away amazed at what had happened. That's the resurrection story. That's the resurrection story. Even Jesus had a time to come alive. He said in three days, I'll rise. I will be betrayed. I will be beaten. I will be crucified. I will be put to death. I will be spit upon. I will be ridiculed. People will hate me. They will drag me through the streets. They're going to dislike me. They're going to hang me on the cross. They're going to put thorns on my head. They're going to uh, sacrifice me as the sacrificial lamb. And he told the disciples this. But then he said, but don't worry. In three days, I'm going to rise. In three days, I will be alive. In three days, I'm coming out of the grave. In three days, I'm coming out of the tomb. Jesus mentioned this several times prior to this moment, by the way. Several times as he was talking to the disciples, he mentioned this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 23. In Mark chapter 9, verse 31. In Mark chapter 10, 
verse 34. In Luke chapter 18, verse 33, many times Jesus would tell his disciples, listen, I'm going to die, but I will come back. Listen, I'm going to die, but I'll raise again. Listen, it's going to happen. You need to understand, just as sure as I'm going to die, I will raise from the dead. You need to be prepared for this. But they could not, they could not get this in their minds. They could not begin to understand this. Even in their darkest hours, in their confusion, although his followers were told, when he died on the cross, frustration, confusion, their hope was lost. They felt abandoned. They felt betrayed. They felt like this man who they'd been following for three years had lied to them. And they didn't know what to do about it. They, they saw him heal the blind man. And they saw him heal the lame man. And they saw him heal a woman with cancer. And they saw him provide food from a few loaves and fish. And they even saw him raise the dead. But now they're lost, abandoned, confused. They feel like they've been lied to. They, they feel all alone. They gave up all they had for this moment. For them it was over. They're now hiding themselves in fear. I was up early this morning. I don't know why. I couldn't sleep. I woke up at about 4.30. I was trying to be quiet. And what was running through my mind is I was putting myself in the disciples' place the night before Easter. Four o'clock. Four o'clock in the morning. It was still dark outside. What they must have been thinking, what they must have been feeling, how they, how they feel like, how they, they must have felt like this man that they loved and followed and they put their trust in and they put their faith in now is dead and there was no hope and it was all lost and it was all over. And now they're looking at this, themselves are looking at this moment in their life and it was the darkest moment that maybe they've ever experienced. And then three days later, just a short three days, just a short three days, three days later, just like he said, it was time to come alive. It was time to come alive. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him. No stone could contain him. No, no soldier could guard him. No government could overtake him. It was impossible. There, this, this Savior who said, I will rise again in three days, and three days later, just like he said, even though they were surprised, he rose from the dead. It was over. By all accounts, it was over. It was done. Everything was gone. All hope was lost. And then three days later, just like he said, even Jesus had a, a time to, to come alive. Even Jesus had a time set to come alive. All hope was lost for sure. As Jesus took his last breath on the cross, as he says that it's finished, as he says something like, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. As he moaned and groaned in his last breaths of agony, 
And the disciples, mostly looking from afar, scared for their own lives, they didn't know what to do. And all they could think was, it's over. It's over. I know one thing about God, and maybe some of you can relate to this. God is really good at 11th hour resurrections. When you think it's over, God is really good at resurrecting people. He is really good at dragging you out of something when the last moment. When you think, oh, no, I can't take it one more day, God is really good at resurrecting you at those moments. He's really good at resurrecting you when all hope feels lost. Really good at resurrecting us when we think it's over and I can't do it another day and I can't handle it another moment and I can't deal with this another second. He is so good at resurrecting us in the 11th hour. Hell thought it had won. All hell was celebrating because Jesus was dead. Can you imagine what it looked like when Jesus took his last breath on the cross? Can you imagine what it looked like in the depths of hell? When Jesus took his last breath on that cross, celebrating, thinking that they had won. But even Jesus had a time to come alive. I remember in junior high, now I'm going to tell it myself a little bit. In junior high, I remember I think it was on Saturday nights. I'm sure it was maybe about 11 o'clock at night or something like this. Some of you my age can help me out a little bit. Used to be this thing on TV called WWF. Does anyone remember that? Come on, now some of you are like saints now, but you remember it. WWF, it was so awesome when you was in junior high. I thought it was all real. My favorite guy, you knew it was coming. We'd come out of the, out of the dark, out of the dark uh, tunnel, and you'd hear, I am a real American, fight for the right of, and it was Hulk Hogan. He'd come out, he'd be waving an American flag, bandana on, muscles. I'm sure it was all real, too. You know what I mean? And he'd just come up, he'd be waving the flag, he'd rip off his shirt. It's so awesome. Greased up, I don't know, weird. He'd start fighting. They'd get in and wrestle around, and I was just cheering on Hawk Hogan. Never failed. They'd always get him in some sort of sleeper hold or something, and the ref, they'd hold up his hand, and he'd just, uh, one count, uh, uh, two count. He's just out. And going on for the third count, he'd hold up his hand, and he'd, and he'd hold it up. And then he'd start, you know, and then he'd, and then he'd come alive, and then he'd, uh, he's going to hurt somebody, right? That's where I went to when I was reading the resurrection story this week. I just went back to my junior high days of Hulk Hogan. Just coming alive in the last hour. When everybody else thought it was over. And I'm a junior high, 14-year-old kid going, oh no, Hulk Hogan's going to lose. We all know he's not going to lose. He's Hulk Hogan. We all know it. Like the disciples, they should have known by now. This is Jesus that we're talking about. I get it one day, oh, two day, oh, three day. It's time to come alive. It's time to come alive. And here's the deal. Some of you this morning, you're on day three. You don't even know it yet, but you're on day three. You thought it was all over when you got here this morning. 
You thought, oh, man, I can't do it another day. I don't know if I can stand it another moment. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this battle or not. You don't realize it today, but today may be your day three. It may be time for you to come alive. It's time for us to come alive. And, and, I, and Jesus, his resurrection wasn't the only resurrection in the Bible. I know that. Jesus was involved in different resurrections. I, I teach a class and the miracles of Jesus over at a Bible college, and, and some of the students are here, so you're going to get a heads up on what's coming this week. But, but Jesus was involved in some, some other resurrections. Do you remember one day he was passing by a funeral, and this lady had her son. They was in the funeral procession, and, and he felt sorry for her. And he walked over, and the Bible says the casket was open. I don't know what this looked like. I can only see it in my mind. But the casket was open. And he went over and he just laid his hand on this man. And he sat up in his casket and he came alive. It was a resurrection. It's another day, day that a man by the name of, of Jairus, he was a ruler in the synagogue and got word that his daughter was sick. Jesus was on his way to heal the daughter. And then he got word, meantime, in the meantime, that the daughter had died. Jesus looked at Jerry. He said, just believe. And when he got there, he, he said, Jerry, I love how he says this. He says, don't worry. She's just asleep. And he threw everybody out of the house. And he walked in and woke her up and brought her out alive. Another day, he got news that a dear friend of his was sick. Mary and Martha actually sent news to Jesus and said, your, your good friend Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. Basically what they were saying was, we've seen you heal the sick before. We need you to come. Now, the Bible doesn't really say that, but that's what they were asking. And I, the response of Jesus blows my mind. The Bible says he got the message and went, okay, thank you. And then he stayed there two more days. Knowing good and well his friend is sick. And the disciples are trying to figure out what's going on. And finally, a couple days later, Jesus goes, hey, we need to go over to Lazarus's house. They said, why? He said, well, same response. Well, he's asleep. And you know what their response was? Well, if he's asleep, he can wake himself up. How many knows there's people out there, and you've been there before probably yourself, there are some things you just can't get yourself out of. You need something much bigger than you, something much greater than you, something much stronger than you. Jesus was like, fine. I like my Bible, it says this. Finally, he said it plainly, he is dead. I'm going to go raise him up. And he was part of that resurrection. In the Old Testament, Elijah and Elisha both raised up widows' sons. In fact, one guy, after Elisha was buried, they buried another guy in that same tomb. And when his body landed on Elisha, he came back alive. Came back to life. That's what I'm trying to say. He came back to life. When his body touched Elisha's bones. There were several resurrections in the Bible. Jesus wasn't the only one. I, I understand that. 
Ezekiel prophesied to an entire army of bones, and they came alive. Peter raised, raised a woman by the name of Dorcas. That's amazing. Not that he raised her up. It's amazing that someone would name their child Dorcas. And I mean, poor lady. Paul raised up a man by the name of Eutychus. He actually, true story, Paul was preaching so long that this man was on the third story listening and he got so tired and bored of Paul preaching. So if, you're, if you fall asleep here this morning, I'm not going to feel terribly bad. People fell asleep when Paul preached, right? But he got tired and fell out of the third story window and died. Paul ran downstairs. I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, like I killed someone. Bored them to death. And he prayed for him, and he came back to life. Jesus wasn't the only resurrection in the Bible. What, what makes it so different? Why would we have a, why would we celebrate? We don't celebrate any of these others. Why would we celebrate this one? Well, first of all, Jesus was the only one to foretell his resurrection. He was the only one to foretell his resurrection. He was the only one that was raised from the dead with no help from someone else. But mostly, he was the only one that raised from the dead, and because he defeated death, you and I now can defeat death. That resurrection of Jesus changed everything. When Jesus came alive, it changed everything. Jesus coming alive allows us to now come alive. You and I, were we were doomed from the beginning. We were doomed from the beginning. We were doomed for death from the beginning. But then we now see that Jesus is revealing himself, and he says, I am the resurrection I am the life. Though you were dead, yet shall you live. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it awesome to think that we serve this Christ that died on the cross for me, died on the cross for you? You know what's crazy? He didn't do it when I was a good guy. He died on the cross when I was at my worst for me, for me. For you, for your family, for your home, for your children, for your grandchildren. I want to take just a moment this morning to look at a couple verses, and then we're going to wrap up. It's in Acts chapter 14. If you have your Bible, turn there with me. Acts chapter 14. Now this is, I understand this is a strange verse to go to on Easter. Because I just told you about several people who was raised from the dead. And now I'm getting ready to tell you a story about a guy who was almost dead. He was almost dead. Kind of a strange story, I guess, for Easter, and I agree. Acts chapter 14 is a story of Paul and Barnabas. Now, Paul and Barnabas are in this uh, town called Lystra. And Lystra now has has been uh, uh, receiving the gospel that Paul was and Barnabas was preaching. They're preaching, and, and a, a man that was born lame, couldn't walk, 
Paul was preaching, he looks over at this man and God just speaks to him and, and he gives him a word and he gives this word to this man. He says, rise up and walk. And immediately that man's legs start working and he gets up on his feet and begins to walk. And, and the town, everyone there is so excited. They've never seen anything like this, but they are so used to, to idol worship. The first thing they do is they declare Paul and Barnabas to be gods. And in fact, they're going to, they go down, true story, they go down to get cows to bring back the sacrifice to Paul as a God. And Paul gets in the middle of the crowd and he's stopping them. He's like, hey, listen, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not a God. Barnabas is not a God. We're just normal people. We're just normal, normal people. We're just normal people. And it leads us into verse 19 of chapter 14, it says this, and oh, I'm in the wrong book, hang on just a second, Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 14, verse 19, some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they had won over the crowds at Lystra, they stoned Paul, and they dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. They dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. He looked dead, he appeared dead, and they left him. And that's the verse that stuck out to me for Easter. They dragged him out of the city and they left him for dead. Several years ago, we were living just north of Webb City. And we got some dirt work done, and we had a tree. And this tree, it created some shade. It was a nice tree. But when they were finished doing the dirt work, they beat this tree up, and, and it just looked terrible. In fact, I, I wanted to cut it down. And Stephanie said, no, don't cut it down. And, and I trimmed it up so, I mean, I really, I butchered it up pretty good. I trimmed it. looked like a palm tree by the time I was finished with it. It was just like nothing, and then the top, there was a few limbs, and that poor thing, I was like, that thing is terrible, it is embarrassing. I mean, my neighbors, I was like, don't even pay attention to that tree. You know, that's embarrassing. I wanted to hang a hammock from it, and, and it didn't work either. So uh, it was just terrible. And I kept saying, we need to cut it down. It's going to die. It's dead. And Steph said, no, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. There's still green leaves. I said, I don't care. It's dead. We need to cut it down. She's talked me into, let's not cut it down. Let's just see what happens. Well, we gave it a year, and sure enough, some limbs came off of it. Two years, three years, four years. I drove by the other day. That tree's out there looking good and healthy. I'm glad we didn't cut it down. I'm glad we didn't cut it down. It's actually a good tree. I, I just thought it looked dead. I just thought it looked dead. They dragged Paul through the streets after stoning him, after beating him. They've kicked him, they've beat him, they've stoned him, they've dragged him through the streets. They've all but killed him, and actually they thought they killed him. They drag him outside of the city and they leave him. What a turn of events, by the way. He went from being a god to being left for dead. He went from, from being on a pedestal to, to being stoned and leaving for dead. Let me just share something real quick with you. You ought to be careful when people put you on a pedestal. You got to be careful. Paul was like, I don't want to be on that pedestal. 
Don't call me a God. I'm just a normal man. And they came in and they stoned him and they left him for, for dead, this limp, lifeless, beaten, broken body that appeared dead still had a heartbeat, still had a breath. They wasn't even aware of it. No one even saw it was there. Everyone gave up. Life was over. They were finished with Paul. He was done. Just because no one sees it doesn't mean it's not there, by the way. Just because no one's seeing it doesn't mean that that seed's not been planted. Just because no one sees it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Some of you came into this place with a dream and you don't even know how you're going to get there and no one even sees it. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Some of you came in with a promise that God's given you maybe even years ago and you've never even really shared it with anyone and no one knows it's there, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean it's dead. It doesn't mean it's dead. Paul's laying there. Everyone thinks he's dead. Everyone thinks Paul's taking his last breath. I thought a little bit, it, it's the exact opposite, by the way, of the story in Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus himself was talking to a church in Sardis, and he says, you look alive, but you're really dead. Well, that's a scary place to be, by the way. You can come in here and shout and praise and sing all you want. Jesus says sometimes, you look alive, but inside you're dead. This time, with Paul, he looked dead, but inside, he was alive. Oh, he looked dead, but inside he was alive. The exact opposite of the church in Revelation chapter 3. The exact opposite. And I, and I thought a little bit of David when David was anointed to be king. That's when, that's when we see the word of God saying that God looks on the heart, not the outward appearance. That's... That's how God views us. That's how God sees us. When we see ourselves and we go, oh, it's all but over. Wait a minute. God's not looking at that. You just don't understand, preacher, my circumstances and my surrounding. You don't know the family I come from. You don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know my job. You don't know my wife. You don't know my husband. You don't understand my situation. It is bleak at best. Yes, but God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at something within. You're talking about bleak. This situation that Paul was in was bleak. He was dead. They left him thinking he was dead, beaten and broken and bruised, left for dead. But somewhere within Paul, there was this heartbeat. Somewhere within Paul, there was this breath taking place. Somewhere he was a little bit like Hulk Hogan, and it was on the third count, and his arm was, nope, nope, here I am. Here I am. I'm still alive. I'm still alive. Maybe even to Paul's surprise, I don't know. I'm still here. Like the tree at the old house, I, I didn't see the life. I, I would have cut it down. I would have cut it down. We have a, a couple trees now. I'm not sure if they're, if they're dead or not, honestly. A couple big oak trees. And I've looked at them different times, and I'm really not sure. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know a whole lot about trees. You're probably figuring that out by now. But 
The reason that I don't know if they're dead or alive is because for the last few months, they all look about the same to me. Like I could look at every tree around and go, I think they're all dead. You know, I mean, they all look dead to me. And, and I, I was outside the other day, and I told Stephanie as I was looking at one of those big oak trees, I said, I think that tree's dead, but we'll know in a few weeks. We'll know in a few weeks. When the season changes, we'll know if there's life. We'll know. We'll know if it comes, comes back or not. Because what I found is, is for some of us, and this is really the word that the Lord gave me. I, I brought a picture with me. This is the exact same tree, just in a different season. If you were walking up on that tree on the right, you'd go, that tree was like Paul. That tree is dead. That tree has nothing to give. That tree has nothing to offer. That tree is all but over. That tree just needs cut down. It'll make good firewood. That's all that that tree is good for. But when the season changed, it turns into this over here. And we go, that's a beautiful tree. That tree has life. That tree offers shade. That tree's a beautiful tree. What a great tree. I'm so glad we didn't cut down that tree. And that's where some of us are today. That's where some of us are. Let me share something. This is what the word that God gave me for us this morning. You're not dead. You're just dormant. You're not dead. You're just dormant. Do you know what the difference is? Dead doesn't come back most of the time. There's a few things, but, but, but when you're dormant, you're a little bit like Paul. You, you look dead and you feel dead and you feel like your situation's over and you don't know if you can make it another day, but there's still life in you. There's still life in you. And when the season begins to change, the life comes back. Oh, don't. Don't let anybody cut you down quite yet. You still have life in you. Don't, don't let anybody bury you quite yet. You still have life in you. Don't let anyone say it's over and there's no way out of this thing quite yet. You still have life in you. Some of you should have been dead by now. And I'm not talking spiritually. I'm talking physically. Some of you should have died of cancer by now. Some of you should have died from a car accident by now. Some of you have went through situations in your life by now. You should have been dead. You can look back on your life and go, oh, I can't believe. How did I survive that? How did I make it through that? I can't believe here. I'm here today. I can't believe I overdosed and here I am. I made it through the car accident and here I am. I came through a, a childhood that you couldn't believe, yet here I am today. Do you know what you are? You're that tree on the right side. There's still life in you. And people may look at you and go, nah, there's nothing there. There's nothing left. It's over for you. But let me show you something real quick. Paul, everyone looked at him and said, he is dead. He is dead. It's over. I love the next scripture, by the way. The Bible says they dragged him through the streets and they left him for dead. The very next scripture says, and the disciples got around him. The disciples, they all huddled up around Paul and he's laying on the streets dead and they all get around him. I don't know what they're doing, but they're just praying, oh God, we need Paul. God, we need Paul. 
bring him back, do something. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Paul just kind of like, huh? What happened? And they're all celebrating. And the Bible says, and Paul stood up. He got up. He got up. This is crazy. He went back into town. He got back at it. It tells me something, guys. Even in your lowest hour, you need to be careful who you surround yourself with. You need to surround yourself with some people that when you're laying and you're looking like the tree that was on the right and you're feeling like it's all over and you don't know if you can take another step in life, you need to surround yourself with some disciples, some followers of Jesus who will come alongside with you and just go, I'm not going to let you die. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let you fail. I'm not going to let you fall. I'm not going to let you die. I'm not going to let you slip away. I'm not going to let that happen. I need, I need to surround myself with some people like that. You need to surround yourself with some people like that. Paul, Paul wakes up to the disciples surrounding him praying. He steps up and he walks back into town. He gets back at it. I was reading that this week. And I, and I couldn't help but to think, I imagine the enemy was thinking, ah, should have finished him when I had a chance. Ah, should have finished him off because, because just a chapter or two later, he's in Jerusalem and he's telling the, the apostles, we need to go to the Gentiles, that's us. We need to go to the Gentiles and reach them with the gospel. We need to see the world get saved. We need to take Jesus to everybody. And Paul went from there, and he saw thousands and thousands of people saved. And the gospel went worldwide, highly due to Paul, when everyone thought he was dead and everyone thought it was over. There was still life. And, and really what I want to tell you this morning is this. I don't know where you are, and I don't know when you came in here where you were, but there's still hope. There's still hope. It's not over. You've not taken your last breath. You still have hope. That marriage still has hope. That job and your finance, they still have hope. We serve a healing God. There's still hope. Don't, don't give up on the hope yet. Oh, you, you may feel like Paul, and you feel like you've been dragged through the streets and left for dead, and that's okay. There's still life in us. There's still life.